Good morning, and welcome to all of you that are gathered here this morning, and also those listening on radio and watching us on Facebook Live. Thank you for joining us for worship at First Church this morning. Before I go any further with announcements or anything, I have to thank Holly Smith and Sharon Cheney for the beautiful rendition this morning of How Beautiful for a Prelude. Thank you very much, ladies. I have, do have several announcements before we start our service this morning. There are two new Bible studies that started this week, one on Monday nights and one on Sundays after church. It's not too late to join either one of those. You can find more information in your bulletin. Also studying on Sunday, February 14th, next Sunday, is a new Bible study on Sunday nights that will expand on the church-wide Lent devotional that will be also starting that day. There is more information in the bulletin, and a sign-up sheet is also available back here at the Information Center. Children's activity bags are back at the Information Center, and kids are encouraged to go grab one if they'd like to use one during our service this morning. Ash Wednesday is only a few weeks away. We will have in-person worship service that evening, along with Ashes and the Lord's Supper. That service will also be live-streamed on our Facebook page. Last announcement, we will have a special congregational meeting on February 21st, following that morning's worship service, to discuss and approve the purchase of a new soundboard and other related items. There are numerous other announcements in your bulletin. I encourage you to take the time to look them over. And now as we start our service this morning, those who are able, would you please rise and join me in our call to worship? This morning is taken from Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord, and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord. For he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Please remain standing as we continue our service. We'll sing our opening hymn this morning, number eight.
You may be seated. And now will the children come forward for the children chat with Maria Lammers? Good morning. How are you guys today? Good. All right. Oop, we got some coming down from upstairs. We're going to wait on them for just a second. So, have you guys been playing in the snow? Yes. Yeah? Yeah? Did any of you build a snowman? Yes. Hey, Bouchon kids, why don't you come this way a little bit? Claire and Millie, come over this way a little bit. Come on over, Herschel. You're going to be able to see better if you come this way. All right, so I brought some things with me today. Uh, let's see. What do we have here? Knife. Knife. Eh, sort of. We could use it to cut. What do you think we could serve with this? Pie. pie. Yeah, we could serve pie with it. Okay. Now, what about this one? What are we going to su- serve with this one? Soup. We're going to serve soup with that one. All right. What about this one? This one's kind of funky looking. Noodles, maybe. Yeah, it's a pasta spoon. I didn't know there was such a thing till my girls thought I had to have one. Now I have a pasta spoon. All right. What do we have here? It's for pizza. We could definitely use it for pizza or brownies. Yeah. We could serve lots of different things with this little guy, huh? Pancakes. Yep. All right. What about this guy? What about these tongs? What could we serve with these? Hmm? Chicken. Meat. Hot dogs. Yeah. These guys are pretty handy. They do kind of look like scissors. You know what my grandma used to use these for? My grandma was not very tall, and she used them to snap things up on upper shelves. That's what, yep, she did. Have one more thing that we could use when we serve. A spoon. Ice cream. That would make a really big scoop of ice cream. Yeah, a really big scoop of ice cream. Mac and cheese. Yeah, it would work for mac and cheese. All right, so one thing that all of these have in common is we can use them to serve. Serve food. Now, I have a question for you guys. How do you, can you serve? Yeah. You mean you could be like this spoon and serve someone? Yeah. How would you do that? By twisting in them and loving them. Okay. How, how could you serve someone? Yeah, with a spoon. Could you maybe go somewhere and like a soup kitchen and serve some people some food? Yeah, yeah you could serve that way. Could you serve someone by opening up the door for them? Yes, you could. Do you have any other ideas on how we could serve? Okay, making food for other people. Yeah, there are a lot of different ways that we can serve people. Okay, you can serve people in school by helping them out. Maybe they dropped their pencil. Maybe they lost their blue crayon and you let them borrow yours. 
Okay? There are lots and lots of ways to serve. Do you know who gave us the best example of how to serve other people? Yes. Here's your time for the fill every question answer, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus taught us how to serve. And that is what our our message today is about how Jesus came to serve everyone. Not just the people in New Knoxville, not just the people in Ohio, but people everywhere, all over the world. Okay? So, let's say a quick prayer. Dear God, thank you for showing us how to serve. Thank you for being that the ultimate server. Show us how to be a servant this week, how we can go out and help other people in all different ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Maria. It's dangerous to talk about cake and pie and ice cream and all the delicious food <laughs> Sunday morning making me hungry. We, uh, this is kind of a random story, but we, uh, Allie and the kids stopped by the library yesterday morning and picked up one of their boredom buster bags. And in there was a list of different holidays, like fun holidays that are for the month of February. And apparently yesterday was eat ice cream for breakfast day. Um, but luckily we missed that because they didn't get it till after, after breakfast. But we'll have to keep our eye on that for next year. Uh, before we turn our attention to uh, some prayer requests and, and how we can be praying for each other, I do want to take a moment and expand on what Jack talked about uh, during the announcement. And then that is the new Lenten devotional that will be available here starting next week. Uh, if you remember, during Advent, we, we purchased these small devotionals, not these ones, obviously, but ones for Advent called Joy to the World. And we encourage you to take them, read them for yourself, and also take some to pass them out to friends and family, coworkers, someone you might want to encourage during the Christmas season. Well, we got a lot of really positive feedback about that from, from you all, and, and we were thinking about what we could do for the Lenten season along the same vein. And so uh, we were able to find a new Lenten devotional. This one is called A Journey Through Lent, Reflecting on Christ's Sacrifice for us. Um, it's, it's based on a, it's, it's from a ministry called Gospel and Life based in Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City. Um, very similar to what we did for Advent. Each day we'll have a scripture reading, uh, a short devotional thought of how you can apply that to your own life, as well as a prayer that you can pray for yourself and for others as you journey through Lent towards the cross. So we have some of them in yet. We didn't have them all in yet. So starting next week, we are going to have these sitting by the doors um, that you can pick up and take with you uh, as, as you're leaving the sanctuary. Um, feel free to take a couple extras, give them away to friends and family. Um, this is a way for us as a church family to be on the same page, quite literally, studying Scripture, studying God's Word together through the Lenten season as we prepare our hearts for Good Friday and for Easter. So I want to encourage you, starting next week, to pick one of these up and, and begin reading them. Uh, they would It's 40 days, so you can start reading them on Ash Wednesday, and it'll take you all the way through until Easter morning. To go along with that, though, we're also going to be offering a Sunday evening Bible study that's, that, is a part, that is a companion to this devotional. Um, it includes a video teaching from Tim Keller, who's the pastor of, or was the pastor at the time of Redeemer Presbyterian Church, um, as well as like a, a, some Bible study questions workbook that we can work through together. So starting next Sunday, February 14th, uh, we're going to meet in the Ministry Center um, from 6.30 to 8 for that Bible study. 
and uh, look forward to you all being a part of that. Um, if you can, sign up um, so we can know how many materials to have available and that sort of thing. There's a sign-up sheet at the Info Center here. Um, you can always drop us a message at the church office as well. But really looking forward to starting that study next week as we prepare our hearts again for Lent and journeying towards the cross together. So if you have any questions about that or would like to learn more about it, you can always, always talk to me after the service or reach out to me um, at the church office this week. With that in mind, I also want to encourage you to continue to pray for those that are represented in our prayers and concerns list. Um, there's, there's many people there that, that could use your prayers. I want to encourage you to lift them up, as well as others that you know about. Um, just because a name's not represented here doesn't mean they don't need prayer. So if you know someone that you can be praying for, lift them up to the Lord. It's our privilege, really. It's our responsibility to pray for one another and lift one another up to the Lord. So I want to encourage you to do that this week. Uh, well, you can think about our, our offering this morning is going to support the general fund, and I want to encourage you to continue to give towards that. Um, I was certainly blessed as we were um, thinking about the year-end books, and I know this was mentioned at the annual meeting, but I want to encourage you guys to, to continue to give, and, and I want to thank you for how you have given over the past year. It's been a lot of uncertainty, a lot of difficult times, but you have certainly been very generous and God has been very, uh, God has provided through your generosity. And so I want to can you, can invite you to continue to give towards the general fund um, and, and your offering today will go to support that. With that in mind, I want us to, to enter a time of prayer with a, with a time of praise and thanksgiving, something that we've kind of lost uh, during this pandemic and the way that we have had kind of been forced to do things. Is, is we haven't been passing the plates for the offering time. Um, and if you remember, obviously, when we were done with that time, we would stand and we'd sing the doxology or um, the Gloria Patri, something like that as a, as a sign of, of thanksgiving, as a way to thank God for his provision in that moment. And so I want to I bring that back here this morning. I know we're not passing the plates and, and, and the choir's not up here singing during that time, but I do want us to take a moment and let's sing our praises, sing our thanksgiving to God together this morning. Um, if, you're not, if you're not familiar with the words, it is found in the blue hymnal number 625, the doxology, uh, but we're going to stand. I invite you to stand and we're going to sing through this one time and then go together in prayer to the Lord. provides every good and perfect gift. And so together with one voice, Lord, we lift up our praises and our thanksgiving to you today. Lord, there's so much to be thankful for, so much to praise God for. And I ask, Lord, that you would help us to be thankful no matter what circumstances we face. Because if we're honest with ourselves, if we're truly thinking about who you are and what you've done for us, Lord, we have something to be thankful for, no matter what is going on in the world or in our own lives. So, Lord, help us to have an attitude of thanksgiving. Help us to praise your name 
no matter what is happening. Because, Lord, as we think about that, as we intentionally praise your name, we'll find and we'll see how you really, really have been working in our lives. And so, Lord, open our eyes to see what we truly have to be thankful for. Open our eyes to see what we have to praise you for. And Lord, help us to be a people of thanksgiving and a people of praise. And Lord, with that in mind, we come to you knowing, Lord, that that there's things in our lives that we are struggling with, whether it's health concerns, uh, whether it's a matter of, of material finances, whether it's a matter of relationships that are on the rocks, Lord. We know that you are faithful and that you are good and that just as you have provided for us in the past, you will continue to provide for us in the future. And so we entrust ourselves to you, Lord, and and entrust ourselves that you know what is best for us. And so, Lord, we ask that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, that, that your will is what's best for us. And so we ask, Lord, that you would work and that we'd and we ask also, Lord, that you would help us to be the answer to prayer. Lord, where we see a situation that we can meet, Lord, encourage us and equip us to meet that need. Where we can provide for another person, Lord, encourage us and equip us to provide for that other person. As Maria so, so, so um, perfectly put during her children's chat, Lord, Lord Jesus, you came to serve. You set that example for us. And so help us to follow your example by serving others in whatever way that we can. And so, Lord, we lift up these prayers and concerns to you. We praise you for what you've done and entrust ourselves to you and what you will continue to do in our lives. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Our scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I came like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Thank you, Maria. I invite you to pray with me once again. 
Father God, we thank you for this day. And we thank you that we now have the privilege to open up your word together. And as we take a look at what you have to say to us in 1 Corinthians, we ask that you would open our hearts and minds and that you'd give me the words to speak. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Sorry, i got a lot going on up here. I had to arrange some things. Today we're going to be talking uh, about, about freedom and about service and the, and the connection between those two things. And freedom is something that we, we truly value and we love, especially you know, in this country. Freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, and of course freedom of religion. Freedoms that are enshrined for us in the Bill of Rights. We have more rights, more privileges, more opportunities in the United States of America than of other, at any other place at any point in history. You know, for example, I mean, we're exercising one of those freedoms right here, right now, right? The freedom to gather and worship as we see fit, right? And that's a, that's a freedom that we unfortunately sometimes take for granted, right? We, we have the privilege to gather here and worship God together. And there are Christians all over this country doing the same thing, brothers and sisters in Christ that are worshiping our Lord and Savior together. But let us not forget that there's also brothers and sisters in Christ in other parts of the world that have never experienced that sort of freedom, right? They've never experienced the privilege, the freedom to gather as we are gathering in order to worship. Instead, they have to meet secretly in homes. They have to to meet in, in, uh, in secret in order to avoid persecution, in order to avoid being arrested simply for worshiping Jesus. So we need to make sure that we, we, we celebrate those freedoms, right? We acknowledge them, but we also don't take them for granted, right? But freedom at the same time, right? It's a good thing, but it can also be abused. There's a few ways that, that our freedoms have often, that we can abuse the freedoms that we have. First of all, as I just mentioned, it can be taken for granted. Like in the example I just shared. A missionary once asked the Chinese pastor what the American church can learn from the Chinese church. And the pastor responded by saying, we handle our persecution better than you handle your prosperity. Right? There's a lot of people who take the freedoms that we have for granted and allow themselves to get comfortable, allow themselves to, to get in a rut, right? And not appreciate and not, especially not be thankful to God for the freedoms that we do have, especially the freedom to worship as we see fit. The second way we sometimes abuse our freedom is that we can be so stubbornly independent that we disregard how our freedom and the choices that come with it impact other people. Right? Freedom is a good thing, but we also don't want to use our freedom to other people's advantage. Right? Do you see where I'm coming from there? We have the freedom to do certain things, but we certainly don't want our freedom to be used as a way to oppress or, or discourage other people. You know, we have a we have a tendency to be to be fiercely independent, right? And we don't want our freedoms to be infringed on by others, but we also need to make sure that our freedoms aren't infringing upon other people. And third, another way we abuse our freedoms, and we often fool ourselves into thinking that freedom means an absence of rules or restraints. Last year, Josephine played in the under six soccer league for the first time. Um, let me tell you, if you have never been to an under six soccer league game, it is something to behold because it is pure and utter chaos, 
right? And they're doing their best, right? Because they're just teaching the kids the rules and, and they're trying to, trying to get them to learn how to play the game. But sometimes the coaches are doing their best just to get them in the right direction, much less, you know, follow the, the more elaborate rules of soccer, right? It's, it's, it's chaos, right? Soccer and other sports function within a set of rules and boundaries, right? That's how they're meant to operate, and they only make sense, it can only be enjoyed within the context of those rules. Right? Josephine and her team were just learning the rules, and you can't blame them for that. But imagine a professional team acting that way. Imagine going down and watching the Columbus crew, and, and, and they were just a, a, a beehive of chaos, right, as they were playing the game. It wouldn't work that way. It would be absurd. Right. Freedom, therefore, is not an excuse to just do whatever you want. Right. And, and you may be asking yourself, where, where is Pastor Joel going with this? Right. This isn't a history class or, at the, or a, a civics class or something like that. The reason I bring all this up is because this, the Bible has a lot to say about freedom, about how Christ has set us free. Right. But the question I want to ask us today is, what does that really mean? What does it mean to be free in Christ, to have been set free from sin? What does that imply for us? Is it an excuse for us to just do whatever we want? Is it a, is it, is it a, a, a get-out-of-jail-free card to just, just live however we want, knowing that, that we've been forgiven in Christ? And how does our freedom in Christ impact how we relate to God and others? That's what I want us to look at here today. And so first, we have to ask ourselves, what does freedom in Christ mean? Paul starts off this passage that Maria read for us from 1 Corinthians 9. And again, as, as I say most Sundays, if you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to open up there and follow along. If you don't, the words are printed in your bulletin. Uh, but 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19, Paul says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. See, Paul here is making a comment about what his freedom really means. And the first thing he says is he's free and belongs to no one. Right? Freedom in Christ means that we have been set free from sin. In, in Romans chapter 6, Paul puts it a little different way for us. Again, that's Romans chapter 6. We're going to be looking at just the first couple verses. He says in that chapter, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You see, being set free from sin is not freedom to sin. It's freedom from sin. And that's a very important distinction to make, right? The freedom we experience in Christ is not a freedom to just do whatever we want because we've been forgiven. It's freedom to truly live apart from the power and the effects of sin in our lives. Right? That means that we can live not for ourselves, right? not for our sinful nature, but truly live for Christ as we were created to do in the first place. In another one of his letters, Paul talks about freedom again. Obviously, this is an important theme for him. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, he says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. 
So there's kind of two different ends of the spectrum here. We've been set free from sin. In other words, we've been set free from the guilt and the shame and the consequences that sin uh, carries with it. But it's freedom not to just do whatever we want then. It's freedom to serve Christ and to live for Him. Not to earn our place in His family. Not to, not to earn our way into God's good graces. But because of the grace we've experienced in Christ, it enables us to then live as we were created to live. So we have freedom from sin, but it's not freedom to sin. The second thing is that we need to make sure we don't allow our freedom in Christ to be a stumbling block for others. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, just the chapter before the one we're looking at here today, Paul has this his famous conversation about, about meat sacrifice to idols. Now, you may not be too familiar with it. I, I'm not going to read it for you, but if you want to catch yourself up, feel free to take a look back there and, and, and look at that. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul talks about this issue that some of the believers were having about meat that was sold in the marketplace. See, the problem in Corinth was that the meat that was sold in the marketplace was previously been sacrificed to idols in temple worship. And so there were some believers that were okay with eating it and some believers that weren't. And Paul makes a point. He says, he says, there are no other idols, right? There, there, there are no other gods. There's only one true God. And so therefore, idols are nothing. So if your conscience doesn't bother you, go ahead and eat the meat. It's not that big of a deal. But, he says, if your conscience does bother you, then you should avoid it. See where I'm going with that? So, so he says, if, it, if, it's, if it's, a, it's a matter of conscience, if it bothers you, avoid it. If it doesn't bother you, you're free to eat it, and it's not a sin, it's not a problem. But, and here's the point, he says, for those of you who are free to eat it, for those of you who it doesn't bother, if you doing that causes your brother or sister to stumble, then you need to avoid it. So, in other words, don't use your freedom to then cause someone else to stumble. Don't use your freedom to do something that will then cause another person to sin or cause another person to be discouraged or torn down. So we can't use our freedom in Christ then to be a stumbling block for others either. So what does freedom in Christ really mean? It's freedom to serve God and to serve others, to put them first ahead of ourselves. I think of what happened in the Exodus story, right? When God set his people free from slavery in Egypt, right? It's, it's this, it's the story in Exodus that is then used as a, um, as a, as a model throughout scripture. It's even used in, in, to help us understand better the sacrifice that Christ made for us on the cross, right? This Exodus story is seen throughout scripture as, as one of these stories of God setting his people free of the freedom that comes through Christ in knowing God as our, as our Father. Right? God miraculously rescues His people from Egypt, brings them out of slavery. Right? But what happens after that? Does He bring them out of slavery so they can just go on and do whatever they want? Do they, do they leave Egypt and God says, all right, you're free, see you later? No. The first thing they do after escaping from slavery, after being set free, is they go to Mount Sinai and God gives Moses the Ten Commandments and the law. So it's God rescues them from slavery, but the first thing they do is God institutes a set of rules and regulations so that they know how to relate to God and how to relate to others better. 
So the freedom that comes from Christ is not freedom to do whatever we want. It's freedom to serve God and serve others. It's freedom. Um, freedom doesn't come from an absence of rules. It doesn't come from the complete neglect of, of rules in our lives. It comes from living by and living within the right kind of rules. And those are the rules that God has established for us. That's where true freedom lies. That's why Paul says, again, back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses, verse 19, he says, though I am free and belong to no one, right? He's been forgiven. He's been set free. He's no longer bound by, uh, bound by sin or shame, right? He's been set free and belongs to no one. He has still made himself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. That's what Paul's getting at there. His freedom, he's found in Christ, his freedom to then serve God and serve others. And he goes on to explain what that means. He says, to the Jews, I've become like a Jew. To, the, to win the Jews, to those under the law, I've become like one under the law. And then there's a couple of these little parenthetical insertions here, right? Though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I've become like one not having the law. And another one here, another insertion here, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those under the law. So Paul here is talking about how he's become a slave to these people. In other words, he's serving them with the ultimate purpose of trying to win them to Christ, to try to share the gospel. We can learn a few things here about what that means for us. It means that as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we need to hold tightly onto essentials, but have grace for each other on non-essential issues. Paul here talks about the difference between Jew and Gentile, those under the law and those not under the law. And that was a main concern for the early church. What does it mean to follow Christ for someone who, who is Jewish, for someone, or for someone who's a Gentile, right? Does a Gentile now have to become like a Jewish person? Do they have to start following all the rules and regulations like the, the food restrictions? Do they have to be circumcised, right? These are all conversations you see happening in the pages of Scripture. What does it mean to follow Christ in that context? Or look at it the other way. Does a Jewish person have to stop being Jewish? Do they have to stop following those other laws in order to demonstrate their trust in Christ? Right? That was a very hot topic at that time. So much so that the first ecumenical council, the first time God's people got together to make a decision about something, it was about that very issue. We see that in Acts chapter 15 with the Council of Jerusalem, where Paul and James and others got together and made a decision about what needed to be done in that circumstance. And the decision that was made and the testimony throughout Scripture is that, is that in Christ we have freedom, right? Freedom to, uh, to not be bound by, by human traditions or, or, or these other, uh, other laws because we have been set free and forgiven in Christ. Right? That's the main thing right there. We need to keep the gospel at the center, that Jesus Christ died for us. Right? That's the most important thing. But yet we often clog up that issue with non-essential items. Right? For them, it was the difference between Jewish and Gentile, the difference between following those, those customs and disregarding them. But we have different sorts of non-essential issues today, don't we? What are some of the non-essentials that, that get in the way of our ability to, to share the gospel and hold the gospel at the center of what we do? Is it music style and church? Is it the kind of clothing that people wear? Is it the right perspective on certain social or cultural issues? Right? 
1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 4, Paul says, What I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. What does Paul say is of first importance? That Jesus died and rose again. That is the most important thing. The Gospel is of first importance. All other things I mentioned, and whatever else you may have, you know, may have come to mind, are all secondary. We need to major on the majors and minor on the minors. It's not that our preferences don't matter or those other things aren't significant, but we need to make sure that secondary issues and non-essential items don't get in the way of our ability to share the gospel and make that our primary concern. Paul also set the example of what it means to sacrifice our comfort for the sake of the gospel. Right? Paul says he's becoming all these different things. He's relating to these people. And that had to be a very awkward, uncomfortable thing at times for him, right? If you look at Paul's testimony other places in Scripture, he, he prides himself in his Jewish heritage, that he was a, a Hebrew of Hebrews, that he was, uh, according to the, the law of Pharisee, right? He was, he was, on a societal, cultural status, he was way up here. But he was willing to give all of that up in order to reach people with the gospel. He was willing to make himself uncomfortable so that Jesus could be made known. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul talks about us being ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors are people who intentionally live outside of their native country in order to advance the agenda of their government. Right? Think about what it means to be a United States ambassador to a place like Germany or a place like England. Right? You go and you live somewhere else. You sometimes take your family and move somewhere else. And you live there and you have to understand the culture. You have to understand what the, what the ins and outs of that society are. But you do so in order to advance the agenda right, of the United States government. Right? That's what it means to be an ambassador. You live in a different place, in a different culture, in order to serve a purpose. And Paul says we are ambassadors for Christ, that we are called to be ambassadors for him in the world that we live in today. That means that sometimes we're going to have to step out of our comfort zone. We're going to have to learn what it means to relate to people that are different than us, all for the purpose of sharing the gospel. Right, that, that idea is not just for, for professional missionaries. We're all called to be missionaries. We're all called to share the good news of Jesus wherever God has placed us. And God wants you, excuse me, God wants to use you to reach people for the gospel. So let me ask you this. Are you willing to step outside your comfort zone? Paul certainly was. He said he was willing to become all things to all people in the hopes that he might save some. And, and some of you may argue, right, that, that God saves people. That's his work that I can't save anyone. And yes, that's true, right? Theologically speaking, God is the one who saves. Not Pastor Joel, not any of you, right? It is, it is God is the one who saves us. But you know what? I believe that God wants to use you and work through you in order to accomplish His purposes. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to work through you in order to share the truth of the Gospel with other people. Now, this doesn't mean it has to be a day of Pentecost kind of moment, right? I'm not saying that you all have to leave this place and go stand on a soapbox at the corner of Bremen Street in Maine, right? And, and preach a, a sermon. But he does want to use you. 
Maybe it's just the quiet encouragement of a friend. Maybe it's a simple invitation to church. But are you willing to become uncomfortable for the sake of the gospel? And that's the key, isn't it? Paul says he's willing to become all things to all people in the hopes that he might save some for the sake, doing all of this for the sake of the gospel. Right? It's not hypocrisy. It's not compromise when you keep the gospel at the center of what you're doing. That's key for the sake of the gospel. The only thing that should never be compromised. Some people become... Some people become all things to all people in order to avoid talking about their faith, right? In order to avoid sharing the gospel. They're willing to compromise their, their stance on things or, or avoid those difficult subjects in order to make themselves comfortable and avoid sharing the gospel. That's hypocrisy, right? That's putting on a mask. That's not being yourself. What God is calling us to do is be willing to step out of our comfort zone in order to make the gospel known, in order to make God's truth known. And that's going to be hard, right? That's going to put us in sometimes uncomfortable spots, but that's what he's calling us to do. Put the gospel first at the sake of all else. The very last command that Jesus gave his disciples before ascending into heaven was the Great Commission. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. I want to close by reading these verses for us and and invite the praise team to come forward. But it's Matthew chapter 20, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Those were Jesus' parting words to his disciples. Those were his parting words to us. To go and share the good news of the gospel with all people. And sometimes that's going to be hard. Sometimes that's going to be uncomfortable. But that's why he promises to be with us to the very end of the age. Because he is the one who will enable us and equip us to do it. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you that we can... Lord, that you call us to share the good news of the gospel with others. Thank you for including us in your plan and your purpose for this world. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to recognize that our freedom is not for ourselves or to serve ourselves, but to serve you and others. And the best thing, Lord, that we can do, the best way we can serve others is by sharing the good news of the gospel. And we pray that you would equip us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are going to be serving communion here in just a few moments. And in order to prepare hearts and minds for, for that time, I want to invite you to stand and sing this next praise song. Uh, the words are printed in the bulletin for you. It is, Come As You Are.
to stay. 